Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to get get jumped. Welcome to episode 104 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly anime podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 1 through 4, where I don't know what happens because I didn't watch these episodes. Oh my god, Blake. This is the first time I'm hearing of this that you didn't... I'm sorry, I couldn't even make it all the way through. Hey guys, uh, so uh, Blake uh, was busy moving in the first of the year, so I went ahead and watched the episodes. Um, so I'm going to be uh, talking Blake through the first four episodes of Yu Yu Hakusho, and I will say I really enjoyed them. Let's jump in. Well, it's a new year. It's a new experience on the podcast, and it's not like a new format. Like I don't think this is this is not intended to be a trial run for a new way of us doing the show or anything like that. Although I will say, Spencer, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I have I had considered this before we started the show as being one of the possible formats and have periodically considered that the show should be one of us watching the episodes and telling the other because anime is real weird sometimes in a way that can be delightful and surprising. And so like hearing your friend tell you about it can be just as enjoyable as talking with your friend about it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really like the way that we do it. So I, I, even if this is a great episode, which I think most of the episodes are, and I hope this one falls into that category. I, I'm not yeah. intending this to be a recurring feature with this show or any of the other shows we we cover but yeah as spencer mentioned and as i think i had mentioned on the show a few times i moved i now live in northern colorado instead of in southern wyoming and uh so i'm I'm literally just like a half an hour away from where i used to live but i'm in a different state it's a whole new world we live in do 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 and uh yeah i the new place is great but all the utilities are not finished getting set up yet and particularly the internet so i was not able to stream the episodes for the week and so talked to spencer about watching them and then kind of talking me through it on the show the good news is that i had independently of this show started watching yu yu haku show on my own last year so i've seen these episodes recently um but i did not really revisit them so i'm gonna be a little blind here Cool. So uh, before we get started on this, uh, I, I do have one little piece of housekeeping notes. Um, I I am still working on a couple of episodes that are Patreon only. Um, I ran into a little bit of a, a snafu in the past week, um, but I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that those are coming to them. So if you are subscribing for the Patreon only episodes, those are coming to you very soon. Um, also, the, um, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? I was just going <laughs> to say, I, I had. I don't think I've mentioned this on the show yet, but I will be at C2E2. Um, that is mm-hmm. the Chicago Comics and, and Entertainment Expo. So it's two C's, two E's, C2E2. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really good convention in uh, Chicago, which, of course, uh, longtime listeners will remember that is where Spencer and I both lived when we started this show. Um, so my husband and I will be at that convention that is going to be in the, I believe, last weekend of February. 
and uh, I'll be there at least Friday. Or, well, I don't know when we're traveling exactly, but I know I'll be there for Saturday. I think we're trying to do two days, um, but I don't know which ones they are. But I'll, I will be there on Saturday at least. So if you're around, drop a line and maybe I'll be able to meet up with you and say, hey. Yeah, um, we weren't able to get in as uh, as uh, press this year for C2E2. Oh, did you we get final confirmation? Um, yeah, okay. we got final confirmation that we weren't press on it. Uh, one of the biggest reasons they told us was that um, their uh, C2E2 has gotten so big that they want press outlets that are a little bit larger than where we are right now. How um, dare! We're, we're small but mighty. <laughs> um <laughs> I would say uh, if you are interested in us getting into larger uh, venues and being able to do cool interviews with different people, um, I would say just tell a friend about the show. And yeah. the more listeners we get, the stronger that we can become. That is a big bummer. But yeah, that is something obviously Spencer and I work on outreach for the show. We tell our friends that we do it, but we also um uh, we, we stuff like that and we will also you know post on social media and do all the kind of things that you do to get the word out there but our power is limited and if nobody picks up on what we're doing we we can't do it on our own um so if you are a fan and do you have a friend that you think might be a fan also please let them know you have not already and then maybe we'll get to go to c2e2 in an official capacity because like i said i'll be there but i won't i don't think i'll be able to do any of the cool interviews and stuff that we've done at previous conventions um and c2e2 is more focused on um american media than on manga and anime but there is of course a lot of crossover and there are a lot of american creators who are inspired by anime or even who have inspired anime um so uh, yeah, there's a lot of good opportunity at com- uh, comics conventions, even if they're not specifically anime and manga conventions. And so if you're interested in that kind of stuff and us being able to interview really cool guests that do like, you know, Marvel comic books or have been on a television or movie show, a television or movie show, I'm 87 years old. So <laughs> if you're into that stuff, then, um, you know, spread the word because we are very into that stuff. And I can see a very clear and concise through line between what we cover and what they might be able to talk about. And I would like to talk to those people. And uh, it turns out we can't do it without you. So uh, here's your call to action. Yeah. Well, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our new show. Um, This is one is really, really exciting for both Blake and myself. Uh, just because it is a show that really shaped my uh, my younger anime watching uh, habits. Uh, this show, Trigun, the original Full Metal Alchemist, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. But I mean, I definitely watched those. Um, but this was one of those shows that when it started coming on, I think it was on Toonami. Um, yeah. When it started coming on, I I got completely enveloped in it. Uh, the uh, there's going to be a couple of things that I've seen in the first four episodes that I completely forgotten about. Um, but I can see from like episodes coming down the line, uh, when he does like his first investigation, I was just like, Oh yeah, I remember this moment. It's just, yeah, like, I, uh, it's all coming I, back to me now. 
I have similarly fond memories of it as a kid, but I actually did not watch it growing up because uh, my family did not have cable television, which was how you would access uh, Cartoon Network, or we didn't have satellite or whatever it was. We we had the basic channels. Um, eventually, my grandmother got satellite because she likes sports. So we got her like a satellite subscription one year so she could watch ESPN and stuff like that. And so... Uh, when I would go to her place, like when I was in middle school, my parents were working, my grandma would come pick me up and I would stay at her house and I would try and catch Toonami. So all of my exposure as a kid to things like Dragon Ball Z and Yu Yu Hakusho was largely a result of me going over to a friend's house or me going to my grandma's house after school. So I would catch like bits and pieces here and there, which... You know, if you listen to a show like Childhood Remastered, where they kind of revisit the shows of their youth, that's pretty common. But the big difference was it used to be that, you know, American cartoons and and shows aimed at kids were kind of episodic. And so you could watch them in whatever order and you could pick them up mid-season and really be no, no more worse for the wear. But the thing about anime is that they are ongoing stories, so they get kind of confusing if you haven't been keeping up with it. So, like, I remember watching some episode where, like, a character that we won't get to today named Hiei was in a fight. And I was like, this character is so badass. This is so cool. And then, like, years later, when I had a subscription to the print edition of Shonen Jump and got to read the early issues of Yu Yu Hakusho, I was like, wait, this guy's a villain? Who? Who? What? How did this happen? And so I have like a very mixed record with Yu Yu Hakusho and I've, I've watched the super eyepatch wolf videos about the show. So I kind of know where it goes and what happens in the end more or less, but I have actually never seen or read most of the series. So I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and jump into a little bit about Yu Yu Hakusho, where it comes from and what it's about. Um, so Who's the original she? run, uh, the original run of Yu Yu Hakusho was uh, a manga that was started December the third in nineteen ninety. Um, the original writer of the manga is Yashiro Togashi, um, and it was published by Viz Media um, through Shonen. Um, it went through Jump Comics. Uh, so if you were reading the American Shonen Jump, you would have read um, Yu Yu Hakusho in inside of that. Um, when it switched over to a television series, it was uh, it was written by uh, Yoki Yoshi Ohashi, um, and then the music was done by Yasuke Honama. Um, the studio was Pero. Um, I I forgot about Pero until we started watching this, and then I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. It's got like, all kinds weird- of things. Yeah, it's it's got like it's got like a funny little opening thing, and I I looked them up, and I was like, holy crap, they did a lot of stuff. Um, they if you watch Fushi Yugi, um, they did that. Um, they did uh, I'm gonna be an angel, which was a very weird show. Um, they watched uh, they did they did some stuff that uh, when I see it on the list, I'm like, oh, and then I get all the way down to it, and I was like, they did Naruto. <laughs> What? Yeah, it says. How do they, I not know this? Were, We've been watching this the whole show. <laughs> I know. I, I think they're the one that has like the weird cat guy that like appears at the beginning of the thing. It's like hero. Um, but anyways, uh, it was uh, licensed by Funimation, so that's why most people know it. Um, the weird cat guy in the hat. That's uh, that's Toei. Well, I mean, oh well, then they're a different one. I don't know which one hero is then. Um, but anyways, it's a mystery. Uh, so. 
the original run of this show uh, was made in uh, October 10th, 1992, um, and it finished December 17th, 1994 um, in the original run. Um, I'm I'm sure that they didn't cover everything within those two years because, man, there are way more episodes than they could cover in two years. Um, but uh, I, I'm not 100% sure how they released them in the original release. Some, um, well, yeah, sometimes they'll do like event releases. So they'll have a, you know, a show that usually does a, a half-hour block will have a, an hour block, and they'll release two episodes in a, like a single episode event kind of thing. So maybe they mm-hmm. did that. Because, yeah, that, that surprises me. Usually anime will have 48 to 52 episodes a season because their seasons are a weekly basis for a full year. And um, they basically just run nonstop until the show is over, uh, which is part of the reason why you get filler in anime. And uh, so if a show runs for two years, you would expect it to have uh, about 104 episodes or so. And maybe if it maybe it ran like two and a half years or something like that. But I thought Yu Yu Hakusho had something like 150 episodes. Yeah, it has a lot of episodes. I can't. Uh, I'm not seeing exactly how many episodes there were in the first one. Um, but it it goes on for a really long time, and I'm excited because um, all of the all of the seasons of the show. I believe there's four in total. Um, they get more and more in depth and kind of like, in, uh, interesting, the ways that you don't expect them to start taking turns. Um, and, uh, man, I cannot wait until we get into the, the first time that they're in like a battle arena. Um, cause that is my yeah. favorite, uh, season. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I told you I started watching it and I got through the sort of intro arcs and to the that time when they go to the castle with like the rock monster and the tiger guy. Um, so I, oh, I yeah. made it a little ways in, but I am really very much in the beginning of the story from the you know perspective of the whole thing. But yeah, I, this is what's interesting too. And we've mentioned this a few times on the show, but obviously never in the context of an episode about Yu Yu Hakusho, which is that the creator of Yu Yu Hakusho later went on to create another show, which we have covered and indeed are still covering called Hunter x Hunter or Hunter Hunter mm-hmm. for all of you whiny babies out there. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just want to get like a little more hostile every time I make this joke. So, <laughs> so um, what's interesting is you can kind of see some narrative and character creation connections between the two. Obviously they are, they're very different shows and they, you know, he, he was at a really different place as a creator and he's trying to create something different. So there's, they have very distinct feels, but when you learn that it's the same creator, you're like, Oh yeah, I can see it. It's not quite as connected as say soul eater and fire force where you're like, this has to be the same guy. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, once you learn that you're like, yeah, yeah, I can see why the person telling this story would be the same person telling this story. But Mm -hmm. as longtime listeners will know, um, we, but especially I, become disenchanted with Hunter x Hunter the longer it goes on. And my main complaint boils down to it is a show that sets itself up as a shonen anime and as one that will very satisfactorily fulfill all of those shonen anime big moments and tropes that you want. And then proceeds to subvert them in ways that are both interesting and as somebody who loves those trips, highly disappointing. 
Yu Yu Hakusho yeah. is not that in my experience, which again is a little limited. But from what I know of the show, from what I've seen and read from the early parts of the story and from the f- analyses and loving essays that I have seen from the later parts of the story, this is a more traditional shonen anime that the the plots have a tendency to build to that big final awesome battle that you really crave if you're in for like the the traditional shonen anime experience so i am really excited to cover this thing because it's gonna be really satisfying and have a lot of good payoff for that yeah okay so we're gonna go ahead and start out with the first episode uh this is episode one of yu haka show surprised to be dead so the first what? episode uh starts with uh our main character uh yusuke yurameshi um, he is going to get hit by a car when he jumps out in front of the car to push a little boy who's kicked a soccer ball into the street. Um, to put, to so, push the boy out of the way. He's not like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he pushes him out of the way, um, and then uh, he gets slammed by the car, and the car kills him. Um, and then we see him kind of floating above the city, um, sitting there and being like, what? I'm dead. And then uh, is, we are we are going is, to. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just going like, to say this is great. This is literally the way that the story starts, both the manga and the <laughs> anime, with the protagonist being killed in an accident. Like very clever. Yeah. Um, so uh, the way that the next part of the story is told is in flashback. Um, there is a, a flashback about uh, Yusuke going about his day. Um, he goes to school. Um, as soon as he gets to school, though, he is uh, completely uninterested in going to any classes. Um, instead, he just goes and sits on the roof um, where he is scolded by Keiko, a very, very important character in the show, um, who is, uh, you can immediately tell, in love with Yusuke. Um, and Yusuke yeah. is in love with her in a way that like a 14-year-old boy who pretends that he doesn't, he's too cool to like girls is uh, in yeah, love with they- her. This is so weird. This is, like I said, a traditional shonen anime, but it is, it begins with and has in some ways as its foundation, this like, they have loved each other since they were very young children kind of love story as like a central pillar to it. Oh yeah, it's it's actually, these first episodes are gonna get you if you are easily got with the heartstrings of like anime tropes, Um, because there are going to be some things that just will get We'll just get to you, and I'll get to them. It especially happens in the first episode, but it's it will be it will be also in the next couple of episodes as well. Um, so uh, after getting scolded by Keiko, he goes downstairs. Um, he gets uh, scolded by one of the the uh, principal, um, not the principal, but like he's I think he's like a guidance counselor and also a teacher. Um, yeah, and he is just along those lines. He's yelling at him over the intercom, basically just being like, I need to see you in my office. I need to see you in my office. And he's just like, I don't want to listen to this. So he starts to like go outside um, and he runs into like these two guys that have pretended that they are the cousins of Yusuke Yurameshi so that they could steal somebody's wallet. Um, and he is about to beat the crap out of them when another a teacher who is will learn a complete monster and asshole um, he is, uh, sees on the ground that there's a wallet that Yusuke actually gets back from this guy. 
but it teach it, instead of actually um letting him go or asking him anything about this he just immediately blames yusuke like he was a robber and yusuke's like screw this noise i'm leaving um yeah and on his yusuke, way yusuke is a character he's the sort of classic street tough type of protagonist where like you know he's the high school age kid who doesn't want to go to class and potentially skips class a lot like we've seen him do and who also gets into a lot of brawls and there's there's this common theme in anime particularly of this time of like groups of high school kids forming basically a a a gang culture and getting into territorial brawls with each other frequently and so this is like this is kind of the background that we're seeing yusuke yurameshi coming into and coming from but the writer goes to uh i don't know lengths to show us that yusuke he is not just like a, a jackass who's trying to prowl around the streets and make people feel uncomfortable but he has like a good heart. So that's, I think why we see him going to sit on the roof to be sort of meditative and con- contemplative. And then you see him harassing these street toughs because he has a reputation of being a very tough guy and a strong fighter, but he's doing it to prevent something wrong from happening rather than to, you know, do a wrong thing himself. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I forgot to mention before the names of those two teachers. Uh, one of them is called Iomoto. Um, he is a jackass. Uh, we will see more of him in a little while. Um, the other one that is going to catch you, uh, Yusuke before he leaves is going to be Tanaka, um, or Takanaka. I, I can never figure out how to, I think I pronounced it right the first time. Um, but he is going to, be this like strong silent type teacher who just wants the best for Yusuke. And he's like, you know, I see something in you. You should stay in school. And Yusuke's like, screw this noise. I'm leaving. He ends up leaving. He goes home at home. He's going to be around his mom and his, his mom is a bit of a mess. She's she like, is a whole mess. <laughs> yeah. She's like, um, it looks like she, she doesn't really have a job. She drinks a lot um i don't remember what happened to yusuke's father um but she seems to be in like a deep deep depression um yeah he's not there for some reason and she is completely broken about it Uh, Mm -hmm. well i'm assuming it's about it i I don't i think they say that explicitly but i don't remember fully yeah it doesn't say in these episodes why she is like this she is just it's it's one of those hard things to watch as somebody who is like known people that have been in the same sort of situation where it's just like the the single parent is just completely broken and the child comes home and it has to like take care of her and we will really yeah. see this uh when when we flash when we go back to the Yurameshi house um in a couple of episodes and it has fallen into shambles because of Yusuke not being there um yeah. so uh yusuke is going to leave from the house because he doesn't want to be talked to by his mom and go down to the market um in the market he is uh he is interrupted by your new favorite least favorite character who will end up being a character that you love by the end of it which is going to be kuwabara um (laughs) 
Kuwabara is a uh, a man who looks like he is from Ireland or Scotland, uh, dropped uh-huh. in the middle of Japan, um, with Which, a Japanese you know, isn't name. That, <laughs> it's not that uncommon in anime. Like, many, many anime characters have not naturally occurring hair colors in yeah. traditional Japanese culture, but, like, Kuwabara is a dude with a bright red-orange hair uh, styled in a pompadour kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, Yusuke Yusuke almost looks like he's a little bit like almost like Italian or something. Um, and his mom, his mom does not have like the the same sort of like features from like Japanese culture. Um, that is usually depicted inside of animes of this the same the same like uh, timeline or this uh, it, it's. It's one of those things when you're watching it and you're just kind of like, I kind of appreciate that he doesn't really give a crap about, you know, where each one of these different people is supposed to be from. He's just doing generic people in different ways that are exaggerated in different ways to I just play up who they really, are. I really, really disagree with you about that. I Really? Think, I don't think that he's doing anything unique here. Not to denigrate from him as a creator, the character designs are really good. But I think that it is extremely rare for an anime to have characters that look like they're Japanese. And hmm. it is extremely common for the characters to be Japanese. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it like you'll get things like Full Metal Alchemist, which is set in a sort of alternate dimension Europe, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they're not necessarily supposed to be Japanese, but the for the most part, these characters are supposed to be Japanese. So Kuwabara or Bleach is a good example. Ichigo Kurosaki, he has bright orange red hair and they comment on it. It's apparently supposed to be natural, but I don't think that's very common or likely thing. And maybe that's what they're playing into, but you also have Orihime who has the same color hair and you have uh, Uryu who does look Japanese, which sets him apart from the design of the other characters, even though they're all Japanese. And you get a lot of that. Um, it's just it's just one of the things about anime is that um, it, like anime was originally inspired by things like early Disney cartoons and early Looney Tunes. And that's where you get the big eyes. Because if you think about Bugs Bunny, he's got really big eyes. Then you think about things like Astro Boy, one of the earlier anime, and he's got really big eyes, but his eyes look more like Bug Bun- Bugs Bunny's eyes than like Yusuke Urameshi's eyes. But mm-hmm. Astro Boy created a, you know, helped to heart bring in a style. And so the the sort of traditional anime eyes that you see now are kind of like a game of telephone from, you know, Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Because they they are being inspired by the thing that was inspired by Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. But they're not doing Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse like that thing was. And so they created this new style. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where you where you get like very large expressive eyes. You get really wild haircuts and hair colors. And all of that comes, I think, from a medium that is trying to do interesting and cool character designs. And the characters are often assumptively Japanese because the stories are set in Japan and written by Japanese people. But 
Um, I know that like as a young kid, I was really surprised to find that some of my favorite characters were supposed to be Japanese because they have, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes like Naruto does, but Naruto's Japanese. Um, so that is not something that you tend to find with people born in Japan and of Japanese descent, but that character is one. And it's just sort of a, the thing that you find with anime and that is just a part of the experience. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, like from my perspective, I don't feel that this creator is doing anything different by designing his characters this way. I think that's just the way the anime is from from my experience. Anyways, let's get Regardless, back to the show. Um, whether so, or not uh, I'm right or Spencer is right, all that history is correct, and it's interesting, and you're welcome. <laughs> Anyways. So Kuwabara is going to walk up on Yurameshi and he is going to be like, hey, let's fight. And instead of, you know, actually going into a fight where it looks like two people are battling against each other, Kuwabara is just going to get the absolute crap beaten out of him. And apparently this happens all the time. Uh, Yusuke has never lost to Kuwabara and Kuwabara loses every time to Yusuke. Um, it's also it's important to hundreds note. of times. <laughs> It's important to note that Yusuke is a little shorter than you than average, and Kuwabara is noticeably larger than most people their age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kuwabara is basically a, like a mountain of a man. Um, yeah, and uh, in comparison to Yusuke, and he is um, in. It's one of those things that happens inside of the show that I, I I appreciate when you're putting people inside of like a an interesting school environment, and some people want to stand out. Um, but the character design does that. Um, you didn't have to put them randomly into different color outfits from everybody else. Like all of Kuobara's friends and all of like the street toughs that are from schools are all wearing like this gray uniform and Kuobara for some reason is wearing blue and nobody says anything about it. And then Yusuke (laughs) is wearing green and nobody says anything about it. It's just kind of like, well, why are these two allowed to be outside of the normal uniform and nobody else? They're important in the narrative. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so um, after beating the epic uh, epic hell out of Kuobara, um, Yusuke is going to continue to walk down the street, um, and he's going to run into this little kid who's playing with a ball right next to the street, and Yusuke is just like, "Hey, I'm going to take this ball away if you don't stop playing by the street." And the kid starts crying, and so he's like, okay. And he starts making funny faces at him, um, and the kid stops freaking out, and he's like, okay, stop playing with this ball down by the street. And so Yusuke crosses the street, and then he looks over, and there's that kid kicking a ball by the street. And he's just like, stupid kid. <laughs> what did then, I like, fucking say? I just told you not to do this. And then, like, the next thing that happens is the kid kicks the ball into the street, and Yusuke's just like, uh... And then, in the distance, you see this, the, this like, random couple that's driving insanely fast and laughing maniacally to themselves as they roll down the street. And they're, like, going too fast, so Yusuke runs out there, pushes this little kid out of the way of the car, um, the ball goes flying up into the air, and Yusuke gets hit and is pronounced dead at the scene. Um, that is where we're this, gonna pick I- up from the flashback. I also just keep thinking of the kid from One Punch Man that's like playing with the ball that Kreblante wants to kill, and he has the like giant testicle chin and just keeps hitting himself with the ball. So like, it's been a little bit since I watched these episodes. So just know that that's the kid in my mind who was saved, Wh- and I'm whatever. a little upset about it. 
So, um, this is going to lead into uh, the next thing, which is going to be um, the introduction of another very, very important character of the show named Botan. Uh, Botan is a Grim Reaper, um, and she is uh, she is telling Yusuke that um, he didn't actually um, uh, he didn't actually need to die because it turns out the kid would have survived anyways miraculously without a scratch even if he hadn't have been there. But it's really great that he did that. <laughs> so. <laughs> And he's like, I don't remember okay. that. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, she tells him that, and he's just like, okay. And she's like, yeah, nobody expected you to do this. So we were all kind of taken aback by it. So instead of just leaving you out here, what we're going to do um, is uh, we're going to uh, maybe make a, a decision about if you want to be brought back to life or not uh, because you did this selfish, selfish act um, or selfless act. Uh, selfless act um, and uh, in order to do this though you're going to have to go through a trial and Yusuke is just like no 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 no, don't worry about it I'm fine I, I don't need to be alive anyways I could just be a ghost and Boten's like well why don't you go to your wake first before you decide um, so he goes to his wake um, at his wake uh, a couple of not in, not surprising things happened um, one of them is Keiko is incredibly distraught um, the second one is surprising, which is, uh, or not surprising, which is the two teachers that are complete assholes at the school have shown up and they're talking about how it's good that he's dead. Um, the, uh, the Tanaka is going to show up behind them and be like, hold your tongues, you assholes. You can't do this at a wake. Um, meanwhile, Kuobara has busted into the middle of the wake, pulling three people behind him while he goes up to Yusuke's final photo over his coffin and he tries to punch it and is like you you died before i could beat you to death i was supposed to beat you to death and they like drag him out of the room um and then the last thing that happens at the wake is that tanaka comes in and he uh bows to yusuke's mother um who is now openly crying instead of sitting there stoic as she was before um and Tanaka's saying out loud that you're never going to be able to live up to your potential. Um, I knew that you had potential inside of you, and it's it's awful that you died before you were able to live up to it. And yeah, this really like tugs at your heartstrings. It's it's like, a really clever narrative sequence. What they do is they set up the fact that this is a story so far about people misinterpreting Yusuke but also Yusuke misinterpreting people. So Mm -hmm. there are all these people that think that Yusuke sucks and they don't realize that he hasn't done most of the bad shit that they think he has. And that the like half of the bad shit that he has done was actually him trying to do good shit and being caught midstream or having that act be misinterpreted or them not realizing that his motives were pure or something like that. Mm. Yusuke, as a consequence, has a chip on his shoulder, and that's really why he says to to Boten that it's fine for him to be dead because he's basically like, you know what? People don't like me anyway, so you know I'll, I'll be better off, and they'll be happier without me around. And then her suggesting him coming to the wake is this really smart play where she's like, you know, we 
you know, what's great too is that the, the underworld misjudged him. They didn't expect him to do this selfless good deed. And so they, they're sort of paralleling people just not understanding where he's coming from and where his heart is. And then he is also doing the same thing to everyone around him because so many people have misunderstood him that he has sort of blinded himself to the people that can see through that and that can see the goodness inside of him like his teacher. Yeah. So this leads into uh, Yusuke deciding that he's going to go with Botan to the spirit realm. Um, And in the spirit realm, he is going to be uh, put on trial so that he can, or put through a trial so that they can decide if he's going to be able to come back to life. So he goes, and that is going to lead into episode two, uh, Koenma of the spirit realm, a trial towards resurrection. Um, So... This is going to be an introduction to one of my least favorite characters inside of the show. Um, that is going to be Koenma. Um, Koenma is the son of King Enma. Um, and uh, inside of the spirit world, there are basically a bunch of ogre accountants. Um, they're going to be running around doing work and uh, making sure that the spirits are going to the right places. Um, Koenma is... Uh, very old baby um, who has like a pacifier in his mouth um, and a big hat on and uh, inside of the Japanese version of his voice it's less grating than the American version but it sounds way more like a child inside of the American version it sounds like you know another accountant talking to you Um, and I, (laughs) I swear if you think back to his voice like you'll know exactly what I'm talking about they they play it much more like a child talking to him inside of the Japanese version, and I kind of appreciate that. Um, also, uh, their voices inside of the Japanese version, everybody has like a, a more accurate vocal style than the American dub version of it, that especially is, Kuwabara. <laughs> that is so true, just for Japanese original audio versus dub in general. I feel like in the Japanese, you usually get people doing melodrama, and in American, you get people doing characters. Yeah. So, Kuobara, the reason why he used to bother me so much in the American version is because he talked like this. And I was just like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Damn it, Kuobara. <laughs> and it just like. <laughs> You couldn't take him seriously at all because he was just like it was like being yelled. Everything he yelled was like from like Steve, uh, like Stallone perspective. Um, yeah, it is very yeah. Stallone like. Yeah, like he was gonna call for Adrian all the time. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, they drew first blood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, Koenma, who is going to show up, he is the prince of the spirit world and the son of Enma. Um, he is going to, um, he's going to, uh, get made fun of by Yusuke. And then after that, uh, he's going to give Yusuke a golden egg. Um, he tells Yusuke that if he puts good energy and does good things while he has this golden egg, um, it will end up, um, uh, giving him an angel when it, it, it hatches from the egg. And if there is an angel, he will be returned back to Earth. If instead he puts negative energy inside of it and does negative things, it will turn into a monster and it will devour his soul for all eternity. 
um, which is a very difficult thing to ask of somebody. But he's like, here, hold this egg. Um, so Yusuke's <laughs> like, uh, okay, I guess. And they take him back to the, the realm of the living. Um, but before he can do anything else, uh, Koima's just like, oh, by the way, if you don't make sure that your body isn't destroyed, I'll start the heart of your body again. So it's not going to like decompose, but, uh, they're probably going to burn it because that's, uh, the way that people, uh, you know, they incinerate people's bodies in Japan. So you might want to get on that. (laughs) Yeah. So then he has to, what is it? He has to figure out how to do good deeds, but he's like limited by the fact that he's a ghost or something like that. Oh yeah. So because he's a ghost, the only thing that he can do is he can talk to people through their dreams. Um, or at least that's what we originally think. Um, so he is told that like, you have to talk to people through your dreams. So he goes to see his mom first and his mom is like up at 2am drunkenly yelling at his, uh, coffin. Um, and he's just like, okay, well, I guess I got to find somebody else. <laughs> so he finds, <laughs> he finds Keiko and Keiko is asleep and already dreaming about Yusuke who's in the dream running away from her, her and she can't catch up with him. Um, so she's very upset about this. Um, and eventually he, uh, he shows up inside of her dream and he's just like, Hey, I'm going to come back to life. I promise you I'm going to come back to life, but you have to make sure that my body isn't destroyed. Um, and so, uh, uh, she's she's, like, okay. She's like deeply in love with him, but he, isn't there like some conflict where he's like, he thinks that she's like the only person who gives him the time of day, but that she also doesn't like him. Isn't there? No, no, no. She knows. He knows. It's really obvious that he knows. Um, it's just the response back to it is much more of like, uh, it's, I can't tell right now inside of the show if it's. Um, he is trying to protect her from the all of the bad things that he can't stop himself from being inside of this world, um, or if he is just a fourteen-year-old boy who is being too cool to hang out with Keiko. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know exactly if it's one or the other, but or a mix of both at this point. Um, but he he really really does love her, and you'll know this pretty quickly. Um, so. Um, she is going to run over to the Yurimachi household. Um, when she gets there, it turns out that uh, that Yusuke's mother already knows that his heart is beating. Um, and the reason why she knows this is because she decided that she wanted to open the casket one more time so she could punch Yusuke in the face for leaving her. <laughs> this is mom of the year right here. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's having some minutes. Um, by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, but uh, Yusuke's mother's name is Etsuko. Um, that's not super important. We can just call it her Yusuke's mom. Uh, so it's, it's not super important. Anyways, um, Keiko knows that he had this dream, um, but uh, he, in order to... Um, wait a minute. I think I got him mixed up. Anyways. Um, so, no, no, no. The dream doesn't convince her. She tries to go do it, but she stops. And instead, it's Yusuke who has to possess Kuwabara. That's right. Because it turns out Kuwabara oh, yeah. is uh, able to sense spirits. And uh, Kuwabara is able to be uh, possessed by Yusuke. Um, and oh, I don't so, think that'll be important later. Yeah. So he possesses Kuwabara. Kuwabara is uh, none the wiser. 
um, because he, his spirit is like knocked out, I guess, from this. But he only has an hour before sunset in order for him to run around inside of Kuobara's body. Um, so the first thing that happens is Kuobara is assaulted by a couple of guys who he's fought before. He beats those guys up. Then there is another bunch of guys that catches Kuobara and they try to beat him up too. And he's just like, oh my God, this is awful. Um, Isn't the joke too that like it's Kuobara coming into like Yusuke's territory and so they're like protecting his territory in his name or something like that? Oh, no, no, no. It's Kuobara and they all say, this is for what you did for me beforehand, did to me beforehand. So it's just (laughs) Kuobara has picked a fight with all these people and been an asshole. And so everybody's just getting him back for this. Um, It's pretty funny because, you know, it's just like that great dramatic irony of like, Yusuke is trying to like do a good deed to save his life on a very short time frame, and the person he's the only person he's able to do it with has like burned so many bridges that he's getting into these like frivolous disputes in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Anyways, um, so he's going to finally find Keiko. Um, he knows that he can't convince. Uh, well, first he's going to go into his aunt and uncle's uh shop. And he's just like, I'm Yusuke. And they're like, you're not Yusuke. And why would you say that you're Yusuke? Get the hell out of my shop, you monster. Our our, <laughs> our, uh, our nephew is dead. And he's just like, okay, I got to figure something else out. And so he goes and finds Keiko uh, just in the nick of time. He only has 10 minutes left. Um, in order to convince Keiko that he is who he is, he has to do something only he would do. And so what he does is he goes up from behind her and gropes her, um, which is just like, what? And she slaps yeah. Kuovara. Kuovara falls down. And then she's just like, only Yusuke would have done that. And all I kept on thinking was just like, gross. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Uh, so PSA time. Don't do that shit. Yeah. Anyways, um, she figures out that it's Yusuke by the way that he's talking to her. Um, and that ends up convincing her to... Um, go and talk to his mom and make sure that the funeral pyre is not lit. Anyways, let's go into episode three because we're already like 46 minutes into this. Okay. So it's fine. Episode episode three is Kuobara in a corner, a man's oath. This is an episode all about Kuobara. And I love this episode more than I think any of the other episodes, because it's just this weird, inspiring story about Kuobara that makes you start to love him as a character. So, it turns out that um, Yusuke still has to do good things, and he has this golden egg. And in the last episode, everybody was excited for him to come back. So uh, the golden egg started to shine, and he was like, oh, it's alive. It's it's beating. I must have done some good things. And he's just like, okay, so what should I do next? And she's like, well, why don't you observe these people in their world and see if you can help any of them? So what is happening in this world is it turns out that Kuwabara um, has been getting into too many fights um, and he has been taking it, taken into one of the other asshole teachers um, and the asshole teacher is just like, hey, I'm going to make this kid who is part of your gang have to stop working his, uh, stop giving him permission to work this part-time job while being in school. Um, and he's like, oh God, if I stop doing this, my mom is sick and I'm taking care of my siblings. We will go hungry if this happens. And the teacher's like, I don't care. I don't care at all. And so Kuovar is just like, okay, what if I stopped fighting no matter what for a week, we all start fighting for a week. 
And he's just like, okay, let's see if you can do it. Meanwhile, he's talking to the other deeply terrible teacher that's there. He's like, hey, they'll never be able to do this. And when they get kicked out of school, we'll no longer have our two biggest idiots inside of our school. Both Yusuke is dead and Kuwabara will be kicked out of school, which will raise the stock of our school. Which, the stock of your school? <laughs> they're basically a cabal of assholes. And oh, they're, yeah. they they see this as a win-win. Because is not going to fight back. So they can have him beaten to a pulp and possibly killed. And uh, if he does fight back, then they win their bet. And they get to ruin his life and his friend's life. So it's a, it's a win-win from their perspective. And they are the worst. Yeah, they're terrible, um, including the terrible giant two front teeth that one of them has, uh, like a <laughs> demonic bug bunny. Um, anyways, so Radigan over there. Yeah, he's he's definitely the worst. Anyways, um, so Kuobara is going to wander around on the streets. Uh, one of the professors is following him around, and Kuobara gets into a uh, fight with a, a couple of these other guys, and he's like, all right, he's in this fight, so he's going to fight back. But instead of fighting back, he just stands there and he takes it and he just gets the crap beaten out of him because he's just like, I know that my friend needs this and I am not going to ruin his life um, by being selfish and wanting to get into a fight. And so uh, the teacher's like, I have to come up with another idea. And so he decides that he's going to he's going to make them all have to pass his next science test with a 50 uh, points or better. Which I'm like, I I don't understand this from the Americans' perspective because I'm just like, fifty is still failing, I think. But I mean, they must not be yeah. doing percentages. Um, yeah, we know that like other countries do grading very differently, so I don't yeah. know how it does. If you know, let us know. We would love to know. <laughs> Anyways, so um, he is he is going to start studying and studying, and meanwhile getting beat up and beat up and beat up. And studying and studying and studying some more. Um, and uh, in the end of this, uh, Yusuke comes to him in his dream and he also helps him continue studying so that he could pass this test. Um, and right before his final test, um, he is uh, about to be accosted by these three guys who see them in the street while he's going into work uh, or going into school. Um, and uh, the, as they're running after Kuobara, um, they knock out this girl that's just walking down the street haphazardly. Um, and uh, he's like, okay, in order to stop these guys, I have to beat the crap out of them, but I have to possess somebody. So he possesses this girl and Yusuke in this girl's body beats the hell out of these three guys. All while <laughs> Kuobara is just kind of like walking along, none the wiser to this even happening. Um, and so um, Kuobara makes it to school, ends up knowing that he passed with at least 53 points. Um, but the asshole teacher being the asshole teacher that he does, um, realizes that he's going to pass the test. So he erases one of the guy's answers. Um, and so, uh, he tells Kuobara, he's just like, oh, you failed with 48 points. You might as well stop trying. And I was just like, oh, what a monster. But it turns out that Tanaka, um, has heard about this, uh, this plot by these other teachers and he's just like, you need to change his grade or I'm going to beat the hell out of you. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> and so it turns out that uh, Kuobara passes the test and that he's able to keep his side job. And uh, that's the end. And Yusuke did yeah, it. Tanaka, Tanaka in this is like the the principal or the headmaster or something. He's He has authority over these other teachers. 
So there's basically like a group of, of teachers who deal with these students and who have developed such a grudge against them that they're willing to go to absurd lengths to like fully ruin their whole lives and do horrible things like celebrate the death of a student and stuff like that. And Tanaka is the like good guy. He's the Dumbledore who's like, no, I see like the good in them and their potential. And I want to like protect them and foster that. And he also sees the bad in these teachers. He's able to kind of cut through the bullshit. And uh, so he, he is definitely white knighting in a few of these episodes. Oh yeah. He's definitely the, the good teacher in comparison to all of these terrible teachers. Um, so, the next episode is going to be episode uh, four, Hot Flames, Ties of the Beloved. Um, and this episode is all about uh, a new character that we are going to meet once and then never again um, named Sayaka. Sayaka is an investigator who has been sent by Koenma to uh, investigate and see how other people feel about Yusuke and how Yusuke feels about other people to judge his worth. Um, which confused me when I first started watching it because I was like, wasn't this egg thing supposed to be the whole thing? What is yeah, this investigator and also, doing? we've already kind of figured out that we fucked that up originally by not expecting him to do the good deed that he did that led him in this situation in the first place. Yeah, so it's like, I'm not 100% sure why this person is here, but I guess let's move the story forward whatever um so uh this character takes the form of a young girl um she is going to um come down and watch how other people feel about yusuke um it's uh, obvious very quickly that uh, keiko is in love with yusuke um and she wants him back um they follow keiko around and it turns out that keiko is not only popular not only smart not only good at sports but basically the best person on the planet um, so they're like, why does she love Yusuke? And Yusuke's like, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> um, they then, uh, kind of, uh, watch as Keiko goes about her day. Um, and it turns out that, uh, she is going over to Yusuke's house, um, to take care of his body who is dead, uh, to them with like a slight heartbeat. Um, so they've been just keeping him inside of a bed in this house. Um, meanwhile, yeah, he's like comatose the, at this point. Yeah. And his mom is just like, she is not holding it together. It seems mom like mom of the um, year. She has let the house go completely to shambles. Uh, there's bunches of books everywhere and sh- piles of trash and also like big giant bowls that, uh, when you run into the room to see Yusuke, um, it turns out that, oh no, Keiko, you've knocked over this these bunch of books in a bowl on Yusuke's comatose face and she has to knock all of them off and then she's like, oh, your face is now covered in dust and he's like, uh, you know, what is she doing? And he, she gets in close and she's like, oh, I've cleaned off this dust. Look at his lips. And she like goes in to give a kiss and like Yusuke is just like, what is she doing? And everybody like Boten and uh, the investigator are like, no, 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 let's see where this goes. And Yusuke's like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> this and is then, very right, dubious. Yeah. And right before Keiko kisses Yusuke's like comatose body, um, there is an alert outside that startles her. That's just like, hey, everybody, be aware. Some fires might happen today. And she's like, oh, okay, well, uh, let me go to the store because I still need to get groceries and then I'll come back. 
and she leaves. And while she's gone, a uh, street tuft that we don't know who the hell this person is, um, lights a can with a uh, like a like a Molotov cocktail and throws it into Yusuke Yurameshi's. Yeah, this mom's guy seems house. to just be like a. You know, it, he was like, well, it's Tuesday, so I'm going to go and commit some serial arson. <laughs> Let me burn this house down for some reason. Um, I don't know why I do it. The dog tells me to do it. Um, anyways, that is, this is like there's, a, there's a webcomic or something that's like a little girl that finds a fairy. And she she's like, I wish I could talk to horses. And then the next panel is like her with the horse and the horse is like. The CIA, the ISIS got their weapons from the CIA. She's just like, looks so depressed. (laughs) Anyways. So, um, the, the, uh, the next thing that's going to happen in this episode is that obviously the entire apartment is going to burst into flames. Keiko is going to come back, soak herself in water so that she can run through the flames and she is going to get in, but not be able to get completely out before the flames kind of engulf her. And the only way that uh, Yusuke knows to do anything is uh, is that Botan is just like, hey, look, if you want to stop this, I, I am completely un- uh, powerless to do anything. I don't know what you can do. Um, but the investigator is just like, I know what you can do. That egg of yours has been absorbing spiritual energy. And if you throw it into the fire, it should be able to blast enough spiritual energy to push the flames out of the way until Keiko can escape. And he uh, he's like, okay, well, that's fine. Um, I'm going to do that. And the investigator is just like, well, just in case you didn't know, you will also lose all chance of returning to life if you throw away this egg. It's your only chance. And this is throwing away everything. And without hesitation, Yusuke is like, I don't care. It doesn't matter about me. I have to save Keiko's life. And he throws the egg into the fire. It bursts into like a bunch of spiritual energy. It kind of looks like a dragon for a moment. And then it pushes all the flames out of the way. Um, And Kuwabara is standing outside of the door already because for some reason he was wandering over there. Oh, yeah. Boten went and got him. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he runs over there. Um, there's also this funny moment when Botan gets him and she reaches like into his back to like get his attention. And he's just like, Oh, what was that chill that ran through my entire spine and body? And I was just like, what? <laughs> that must be awful to be Kuobara. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, what we are going to, uh, find out is that Kuobara has shown up. He is going to help Keiko get the, uh, Yurameshi out of the house. Um, and then, uh, Urameshi is just like, okay, I'm ready to go forever. And Koema shows up and he's just like, hey, you did a really good deed. Um, if that uh, egg had actually hatched, it turns out it would have turned into a demon uh, and eaten you. So it's good that it didn't hatch and that you threw it away anyways. Um, but because you did such a good deed, I'm going to return you to life. And uh, they all celebrate and that's the end of the episode. Why would it have turned into a demon? All he's done this whole time is good things. And been surrounded by good people feeling good thoughts toward him. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I think also, the only the only thing that I can think is because you Yusuke tries to solve most of his problems by fighting people, and I guess mm. fighting is bad as the moral of the story. Let's make yeah, the rest of course of the they show will then employ fighting. him to fight for the rest <laughs> of the series. Uh, so uh, two things. 
Before we go, one, I did not remember the investigator at all. And you have a great point. The investigator serves no purpose. There's no reason that Botan doesn't know the thing about the egg, except that they have this investigator here instead. She could have known that, and it would have been the same scene. The investigator didn't need to be there because Botan could have done this investigation. She's been there the whole time anyway. And also, like you said, the egg serves the same purpose. Just, there's no reason for the investigator. I don't know why that happened. And I didn't remember that it happened, even though I more or less remembered everything else that we talked about today. I literally don't remember the investigator at all, even though you've been telling me this whole, this story this whole time. <laughs> and I watched these within the last year. Uh, also, like I said at the beginning, Yu Yu Hakusho is a really classic shonen anime and it sets up those tropes and then knocks them down in a really satisfying way and if you look at these four episodes you wouldn't know it because none of these episodes are shonen anime episodes even though these characters are getting into lots of fights that's not necessarily you know limited to shonen anime because this these episodes play more like a shoujo which is to say a romance-based uh, series targeted more at young girls rather than shonen, which is an action-based series targeted at young boys. And this, these episodes are all kind of summed up as a love story about whether or not someone is a good person. And the action, as it were, is more sort of perilous situations created as obstacles to this overarching story of love and personal goodness after this this will be a pretty straightforward shonen anime yeah so stick with us after the credits and we'll talk about what's coming up next time blake and spencer get jumped is made by forever summer productions with sound editing done by rashad english of plain english productions he's our level six sound wizard level up our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way if you want to keep it that way too please consider supporting us on patreon follow us on twitter at b and s get jumped like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash blake and spencer get jumped or talk to us on reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped if you like the show please like subscribe and leave a review reviews help other listeners find our show new episodes come out every sunday on itunes google play stitcher buzzsprout or wherever you get your podcast from and hey Thanks for listening. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're returning to Hunter x Hunter. Yeah. Do you want to learn how to play chess? Well, the first thing that you have to do is that you have to change the entire board. Um, and then what you need to do is get a cold that basically lasts forever. Um, and then you need to find a partner. So, uh, in order to find your partner, you need to find a a maniacal demon overlord, um, who is about to destroy most of the planet. You can go to your, any sort of anthill that's out in the yard. Um, and you can pick up the prince of the anthill, uh, without getting bitten, because if you get bitten, you're probably going to explode. Um, and, uh, then you're going to set him in front of you and there, um, he will teach you how to play chess. (coughs) Sounds right. That sounds right.